Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome back from a long uh, vacation from the podcast. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Father John and my good friend Joe Doman here Hi. with you. Welcome back. For those of you who have forged through our six-week what would we call that? Sabbatical? sabbatical? <laughs> hey, there hiatus. we go. We're still on the same page. <laughs> Six-week sabbatical slash hiatus. Uh, we were not vacationing and drinking margaritas at the Rio. We were um, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, like starting the school year. Starting the school year. Last time I checked, surgery. Last time I checked, it was losing July. Losing bishops. Losing bishops. That was a good Officially. podcast. Well, we actually actually lost our bishops. Wallace and... Gladys and Wallace and Wallace and Gladys was the last one. Hey, you should tell them about our fake podcast that you guys. We recorded. did a fake podcast, um, which was recorded by uh, a certain Nathan Goble, who many of you know. Um, I was going to say some of us hate, but just when he beats us in quiz show, it was the second quiz show, oh, yeah. but it was pretty bad uh, in quality. Was well, it? The, the, yeah, and so it I never made that. it past our producer Mike. Oh, I talked to Mike yesterday. Was the actual material good? But it was just, well, it depends who you ask. I got beat again. Nathan was very excited. Yeah, I know. But uh, let's and, just say I'm not going to be pushing to see this one hit the air. <laughs> uh, I'll, if it happens, it happens. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to send. Uh, well, I'm hoping. I send never send Mike an angry email and say, "Why didn't you ever publish that?" So I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, that was done uh, a long time ago. And, uh, but we're back, and now we're going to be back. We're focused again. You know, what? We made fun of Father Mike and uh, for being gone for three months, and here we are. So we have to humbly kind of beg forgiveness from Father Mike for making fun of him. For and his- for everybody. For We've gotten a lot of emails, Facebook stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. People were like, are you guys all right? Is everything, you know. Did you guys die? We, uh, um, yeah, like, so like we said, we, uh, Joe started second theology and, uh, he was in Philly. Who knew how hard second theology was going to (laughs) be? I didn't see it coming. Did not see it coming. Uh, first theology was just really easy. So he's back in reality and I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just hang out with college kids all the time. Yeah. Any seminarians out there start a podcast in first theology theology, and maybe hand it off by the time you get to hand it off (laughs) and definitely hand it off before you start campus ministry. My life went from essentially the military uh, 6 a.m. Holy Hour, regimented every hour to college life, trying to uh, adapt to a college lifestyle. And it has been the most shocking and hilariously awkward transition ever. Why awkward? Well, because it's like, I, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. They're waking up, and uh, I'm just like, man, I'm just kind of getting old and ready to shut down. But That's right. It's okay. They're keeping me young, and uh, they're great. And especially one college student who's been very pained uh, that we have not had these podcasts out, my friend Lauren McParlin in Steubenville. Lauren. This is for you, Lauren. So thanks for waiting for six weeks for us to put this out. But uh, another news, I had LASIK surgery yesterday. John did. He's looking at me with bloodshot eyes and uh, LASIK hickeys. They call them LASIK hickeys. hickeys. This is going to gross a few of you out, but we're going to give you a, a quick rundown of what happened. So they uh, they put me down, and I'm 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 not out. I'm just hanging out for the whole thing, which is crazy. And they uh, numb my eyes with That's some drops. That's the weirdest part to me. And then they put these lid holders in, so I can't blink and you know screw up things. And then they suction this thing onto my eyeball. All right, that's what gives the LASIK hickeys, hence the name. And um, it holds it in place, so to speak. They cut off a little layer with a laser, flip it back bring in another laser, correct the vision. They just kind of take it down 
four microns. I don't know what that means. That's what they had to take off my eye. Sounds off very the small. top of my eye. Ten to the sixth, whatever that is. <laughs> numbers. All That's numbers. what I with numbers. How do you, we don't know how we use numbers. numbers? Don't really mean anything. They don't. Ten to the sixth, whatever. That's what a micron is. So they had four microns. Of my eyes, you need are, like some sort of unit. Ten to both the six. Gone. What? I don't know. That's what it, Jim, kind of, Doctor Jim, told me that. I don't know. The guy who did it is one of my good friends, and uh, I trust him with my life. I trust my vision to him. I don't know if I would to any guy, though. To be quite honest, it was right. quite an amazing surgery. So they they chop off four microns, put the lid back on, and then we're done. That's it. Dude, and uh, that's that it sounds like something from like the Matrix. Yeah, it's it. I felt like I was in the future. And then I Skyped with four guys, and I was like, man, technology is so sweet. <laughs> we did fraternal group by Skype. Did you uh, really? Yeah, we got uh, priests all over the city, and we weren't able to meet yesterday because of the surgery. So we did this group Skype. It was amazing. That's I was just funny. like, man, this and is it was, crazy. It was, well, you know, it was like Everything effective. went well. I was talking to Father Mike after that. I was on Valium, so I was a little out of it. Um, Valium's what they give people after they take heroin to come down. So I had a little bit of Valium to kind of chill me out. I think I prescribed Valium to somebody in the hospital. Once. That's right. You did do that. Is that, yeah. Joe's brother is a uh, doctor. Actually, we probably shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some HIPAA laws or something we'd be <laughs> breaking. Never mind. Forget you've ever heard this. We'll edit this part out. We'll edit that part out. Anyways, probably not, actually. Moving on, I got vision on the mind. I'm thinking about vision. So I you thought, vision. you know, you have, gotta, beautiful, you have beautiful vision right now. Blessed vision. Blessed vision. No, I don't have blessed vision yet, but I hope to have beatific vision someday and that's this, isn't that what blessed means the topic of our podcast don't argue semantics with me hey Joseph. i'm a second theologian man i know myself i know now. you're busy you're very busy second theologian and i've lost my whole intellectual life here now being as a priest not just joking that's not true john wakes up every morning and what do you read for an hour read for an hour that's great but that it's like seven o'clock that's, <laughs> that's right. why that's why my life is so good i would love to wake up every morning and read for leisure for an hour i'll tell you what though if there is any seminarians listening Priesthood is the best. Persevere. I absolutely cannot believe how much I love saying mass. How much I'm shocked. Um, it shocked. I just love the life so much. It's the most satisfying, the most fulfilling. Change uh, hearing confessions is the most beautiful thing ever. If you're listening to this and you're afraid to go to confession, just realize that if the priest is halfway decent, and I'm barely that. Um, you're not being judged. You're, it, we're just so honored. It's so beautiful, and uh, it just makes me want to be a holy priest when I hear these confessions. Really beautiful ones. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's been very, it's been cool because John's class that just got ordained and are now priests are. I wouldn't say the first priest that I'm really good friends with who out of seminary. I was I was pretty good friends with Mike and Matt, but but definitely spent a lot more time with you guys, yeah. and so now I feel like I have all these priest friends who I'm hanging out with, and it's been so encouraging. Just just having guys in the priesthood now who I was in seminary with and like being like, okay, this is where I'm going. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, when classes drive me crazy, when I want to, you know, run away from the house I'm living in, right. it's like, you know, this is why, why I'm here. Right. So that's been really cool. Yeah, it, it, it is beautiful. But the classes and the time, the long haul through seminary, uh, it's worth it because you really – you really gain a tremendous amount of knowledge and um, your own formation. You're dealing with your own baggage. Uh, I think that's the greatest thing we can offer to people True. when they've experienced that. So, so give me some of this knowledge, man. Well, I actually have very little on this topic um, because, believe it or not, in six weeks you thought the preparations would be amazing. Well, they haven't been. Uh, <laughs> they're rather lousy. But what we're going to do is kind of just a crash course through beatific vision. What is it? Why is it? Why is it controversial? Because it is a little bit. Is it? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's doctrine. When you talk about Jesus or when you just talk about beatific vision? Okay. Period? So there's – yeah. Well, thank you. You're jumping the gun on me again. Sorry. That's okay. The uh, – um, it's good to be with you, by the way. I feel yeah. like I haven't seen you in a while. Just so you guys know <laughs> as well, I just like – 
I just drove up from Denver. It's about a 35 minute, 40 minute drive from Denver. And I got here and it's like, all right, let's podcast. We haven't even caught up at all. It's just kind of like, all so right. So if we stop in the middle and start talking about, you know, I don't know, whatever, new kitten or something like that, then we'll go from there. Beatific vision. Let's go into scripture first. Before we go to Thomas Aquinas, who's kind of the main proponent in theologically understanding, articulating what the vision is, mm-hmm. uh, let's go into scripture about what is vision, so to speak. What is this sense of vision? Okay. Lots of times, over a hundred times in the, in the Bible, do we see the word vision, 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 some kind of, somebody gets a vision, somebody has this vision. There's a vision of God, so to speak. But what does that mean in particular? That's an interesting question. That's a question I don't really know the answer to, but we're going to kind of bounce at it a little bit. My understanding is that the Hebrew word for vision, my Hebrew is horrible, chazon, chazon, something chazon. like that. Calzone, something like that. Sounds like calzone. Right. What it is is it's uh, when we hear these word oracles or prophecies or visions, what they are is some kind of supernatural expression of of um, just kind of a glimpsing into the life of God. They're kind of ex- they're <clears throat> extremely extraordinary. The prophets experience them, so to speak, um, and we see them a number of times. You know, there, I think so. There's like there's another word for like normal vision, and this is a different right, kind of vision. Is, so there's 34 times we see this word calzone or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that is um, particular to kind of some kind of profound experience of the divine. According to the senses, and this is what's big. Okay, this is what's big. How do we how do we transfer the divine substance? Okay, to use a very philosophical term, God is not just a substance. God is a trinity of persons. But let's just say, how do we get this divine substance into my into my experience? Because if Aristotle's principle is true, all knowledge begins in the senses. Then, in some ways, how would my experience of God be mediated via the senses? That is the question. God who is unsensible so to speak, right? Right. That's an interesting question. Yeah. A very difficult question. In some way, in the Old Testament, with these calzones, chasones, we're seeing God is becoming in some way sensibly perceptible to this person through vision. We don't understand what that looks like exactly. But in some way, when we speak of a locution or an oracle, the sense we're encountering and experiencing God through uh, hearing through our sense of hearing, hmm. we're experiencing God in a vision through some kind of uh, through the eyes. So yeah, and this speak. would correspond to I mean the prophets when they talk about like Ezekiel talking about visions, uh, and he's describing what it looks like and what it sounds like, and he's he's using sensual language in that term. You know exactly because sense. all knowledge begins in the senses, right? right? There's nothing that just kind of comes into the mind. God doesn't just kind of zap us through the mind, but as human beings, we're body soul composite. We're one thing, one substance. So um, we can't just say, my soul is in tune with God. No, because I'm not just my soul. So that God has to come through the senses, so to speak. Okay, so we have this sense of like, uh, that, that God is working in some way through that, and he's and He's manifesting himself in very unique and particular and kind of bizarre, frankly bizarre ways when you read the Old Testament. That's a prefigurement and a preparation. It's almost like a, 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 a pedagogy, an instruction for the for the sensible expression of God, which is Jesus incarnate. When God becomes incarnate, that is the full expression of divinity in a sensible form. Right. That's why God became incarnate. 
Why did God become man? Because we cannot know God except through the senses. Hmm. Okay? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And that's what John talks about in the beginning of one of his letters. You know, he right. talks about, you know, what we, this is something, we're, what we're talking about is something we've seen, right. we've touched, we've right. heard, and he, he refers to his senses uh, in bearing witness to Christ. Right. Because it's like he was a person. This isn't just like some teaching I'm giving you. This is, the truth is something I've touched and right. I've, I've seen. Right. My and, eyes. And so the, the these kind of 34 chazones, um, they're all kind of a preparation for the incarnation. This is this is Nepal theology. I've been thinking about this for about two and a half minutes. So just <laughs> to flesh this out for you. But uh, I think that uh, this this seems to make sense to me. This seems to be rational. That that God would prepare our hearts slowly. And, and as prophecy kind of goes, there's, there's more and more expressions. I mean, you think of like um, with Isaiah, there's some beautiful visions, but then they're more elaborate and the more complex in Daniel. And as we get closer and closer to the incarnation, the, the kind of the, the ways that the senses are being drawn in into the prophets in these visions of God, these locutions, these oracles, it's very profound and very beautiful. And then Christ is the definitive vision, so to speak. He is our, he is on our natural level, our vision of God. So what does this have to do with beatific vision? Okay, you're, we're getting there. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm kind of sure. All right. All right. Are you clocking this or what? Yeah, man. You're going 13 minutes. <laughs> okay, here we go. So um, so then incarnation. So that's Old Testament, the word for vision. Well, if you're just reading in English, then you say, oh, we got a New Testament word for vision. But guess what, Joe? There's two of them. It's a different word. And there's a lot of different words for vision. Can you think of any? Orao okay. is, that's like normal vision. Right. And then you have theoreo, right? Good. It's like the vision, but it has like... You know, when he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes right. away the sins of the world, he says, like, theoreo is the term. And that's, like, it implies, like, a contemplation okay. or a beholding some sort of spiritual vision as okay. well as physical. So if if uh, you were going to take a guess at what of those two words describes – orao is a more natural seeing, like I'm seeing, I'm seeing right now, the little black girl kneeling that we showed in the podcast, the last one. I'm seeing that, orao. Or Theorain, I'm contemplating that crucifix on the wall. Which do you think would be the word, uh, the Greek word in the New Testament to express calzone vision? <laughs> the, yeah, the calzone gets transferred into Theoreo. I would eh. No, I know that would be what you'd think, wouldn't it? Uh, but it's Orao. Really, Horasis is the Greek <clears throat> word that's most common for vision. When God, when they talk about visions in the New Testament, we're talking about seeing, like real seeing. Because in the order of grace, we're entering into the life of Christ, which means we're seeing with Christ. We're seeing through Christ. So it's not just these kind of like contemplative transcendent moments in the, in the Old Testament, the you know calzones, but there's this profound movement of when we enter into the life of Christ, we see with his vision. Crazy. Mm. Okay? It's wild. So when we read about the visions of John uh, in the book of Revelation – what we're talking about is orao, racist. He's he's seeing it. It's like this. It's like what we're seeing. It's not right like now. he's contemplating it. He's not he's contemplating like, it. That's wild. Is that crazy? That's really crazy. That's it's very the, like incarnational. This is in my this is Nepal theology again, but I think that is the scriptural basis for the for our understanding of the beatific vision. The beatific vision for Thomas, in short, is the fulfillment of faith in heaven. We have a vision of God, which is the fulfillment of our desire for truth, our desire for God. It is the full, complete uh, embrace and understanding, assimilation, so to speak, of God, the encounter with God, 
that happens in heaven. He calls that the beatific vision. It's the complete satisfaction of all of our desires for God. And we have that in heaven for all eternity. Would he say it's vision like theoreo or orao? Well, that depends. Like so when, he, he, when Thomas talks about vision. I think if you are looking at the... I think I think it's both, frankly. I think it's the union of both. I mean, it's a contemplative glare, it's but like it's, the, it's also it's like a literal we're, vision. We're physical beings in heaven. We're not like these spiritual angelic beings all of a sudden. Like we believe the resurrection of the body's real, right? And so our eyes aren't doing nothing. Like our eyes will see something, right? Uh, not just the eyes of our mind or the eyes of our spirit, but really. Right. And so for Thomas, it's not just a. And this is where Balthazar comes into the picture. <laughs> if you've not listened to the lens of the past, this is a. A uh, Swiss theologian who happens to be favored by a few of us here. Um, but Balthazar says, if we have a false understanding of the theolo- of the beatific vision, heaven is essentially like going to a huge drive-in movie theater and just God's just up on the screen and we're just like watching a movie, eating popcorn for all eternity. That's a problem. Yeah. That's I mean, a problem. Because that's, you really like that's a very philosophical understanding of... Heaven. Mm-hmm. That's not a profoundly relational personal. Yeah. That 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 does, I have no relationship with the TV screen, but that's what it sounds like when I say I will enjoy the beatific vision for all eternity and it will satisfy the deepest desires of my soul. Hmm. If we limit that just to orao, then it's just like I'll just look at God for all eternity. That sounds kind so of boring. If heaven is this relationship, which I believe it is, but why do we call it the beatific vision? Like, why do we bring in the word vision into it, and why don't we call it like the beatific? relationship or something like that. Like why, why use that term and what is Thomas actually saying? Okay. Again, I don't know the answers to these. These are just thoughts and good budding Thomas can correct us on this because, um, there wasn't enough research put into this podcast. (laughs) My understanding is that for Thomas, his, his lens is truth. Remember every, every theologian has kind of something they're working on for Thomas. It's wisdom. Wisdom is, is everything. All right. Wisdom, he views the relationship of God's providence, the, the work of grace in the soul, culminating in, in, in wisdom. And that's rooted in his anthropology. The intellect and the will being perfected by this vision, so to speak. So remember, for Thomas, you receive the truth, and then from that you choose the good. Intellect, will, right? Right. So how do we know the truth of God? Well, it comes to us through faith, mediated through faith, through the senses, through creation, through God's revelation, through miracles. But then in heaven, we'd have this vision, so to speak, of the truth. So that the theological vision so informs our intellect that we choose the good completely for all eternity. So instead of it being like just a movie thing, it's, it's according to our anthropology, according to who we are, which the vision permeates the mind and which constantly moves the will in one perfect simultaneous act of Reception of the truth with a choosing of the good in love, which would be one eternal act for all eternity. That's what heaven is, is a simultaneous embrace of God. So the beatific vision is not just kind of a movie screen about what what's God's thinking about or what's going on, but it's actually the fullness of truth permeating the intellect. That's pretty heavy stuff. It's crazy. Can you break this down to like Joe Doman language? Nope. Dang. <laughs> it sounds great. That's all I got. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I do, I do wonder if there's a way we can express this without being t- so abstract. But it's hard to talk about these things because well, we've never experienced. Here's this. the bottom line, and there's a lot of here's the bottom line. Theological things. This is doctrine, mm-hmm. the beatific vision, but it's not exhaustive. 
right? It's not exhaustive. That there is, in a sense, a vision of God that we will experience, but it's not merely just vision. We can say that. Hmm. Okay? So there's something about the nature of truth and the nature of uh, our encounter with God in heaven that will be this beatific vision, but the experience of that is not reduced to vision as we understand it hmm. because it's not just the natural. It's not just orao as I'm looking at things right now, but it's elevated and perfected. In yeah. A way. It's relational. Right. And I mean, that's at the heart of it. It's that we're not, we are, I mean, heaven, and this is, this is something I think a lot of, it's very easy for people in our culture. When we talk about heaven, we talk about how we rarely talk about relationship. Right. You know, usually you see, if you see a commercial and somebody goes to heaven, there's usually like clouds right. and, you know, a beach maybe with, you know, beautiful waves. And then <laughs> hell is like fire and right. pitchforks in my butt right. with horn, guys with like horns on their heads. Right. Like, and this is totally not heaven. No, hell, heaven in its, in its essence, uh, at least from what we know from what Christ says, is that, you know, he, when he says in John, uh, this is eternal life, that right. they know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you sent, that they know you. And that there's a relationship between the Father and the saints. Right. Uh, and that's what heaven – heaven is essentially a relationship and participation in the relation – in the community of persons that is the Trinity. Right. So, like, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, Godhead from all eternity, and we, Joe Doman, John Nepple, and all the saints will participate in this eternally. It's beautiful. And then hell is really just the absence of that, which is expressed in literature and throughout tradition as – pain, fire, whatever, but, or ice as Dante in the lowest right. level of hell right. is just pure, uh, coldness because you're so far from the warmth of God's love. Right. But I mean, so vision, beatific vision is in some sense, an expression and the doctrines about those is fundamentally is about a relationship with God and heaven, right. God, it the is, father and the it's son. It's about knowledge of uh, perfect unmediated knowledge of God in some ways is expressed as vision, but it's not just merely vision. But it has to be in some way because we still have bodies in heaven. Yeah, glorified Gosh, bodies. There's a lot. There's a lot here. There's a lot going on I here. Can talk a lot more about. We're this, just gonna. That's just a kind of kicker for you uh, on the topic of vision, visio, visio, orao. So you can go to the Summa, St. Thomas Aquinas. Where's it at in the Summa? Uh, I don't know. All right, entertain them for a second. I'll find it. So, <laughs> no, don't, you can't do stuff like that to me. Sorry. I no, this is, this is this is good stuff Google though, it. man. It really is. And there's, I was just thinking about the idea of vision and relationship and how that's played out throughout scripture and throughout our own experience too. Like, uh, like Adam, when he sees Eve for the first time, that's when his song comes out, you know, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And like, there's this intimate connection between, and even in revelation, it says that we will see God as he is, uh, you know, we will behold his face. Like there's a sense of, there's something very intimate with vision and love and relationship that. There's a lot to unpack there. Absolutely. And I'm happy I still have my vision that uh, it didn't oh, yeah. get destroyed by laser Well, you'll, you know, you're savers. on your way, man. Your vision's just getting better and better. It's just getting better and better. And uh, I was going to make some cheesy connection between LASIK surgery and the beatific vision. Let's just go to emails. Can no, we do that? I can't. You can't do that? You can't? You're, you're, uh, we don't have them. Are you farsighted now? Is that how that works? No, I, I don't I'm, even know what the I'm difference 2020, is. I'm 2020, baby. I got, I got none of that. On your baggage. All right, so do we have anything else to say besides sorry I think that's again? it, except sorry. <laughs> except we're really sorry. Really sorry. And uh, thanks for listening, especially Lauren from uh, Stubo. 
And uh, hello to your family, or seven of our 12 listeners. Yeah, we get a lot of But uh, we're back on track. We're going every week, and we even got a special surprise. Next time, we're going to have a woman on. We are? Yeah. Don't say that, because next time is like two minutes from now Gold. for us. Oh, okay. Well, in the next couple of times, Steph Dunbar. Is she going to be on the podcast? I promised her, and she's perfect. She's John, hilarious. you can't do that. Why can't I? we got to make these decisions as a team, man. All right. We'll talk about this as a family, and we'll get back to you. I mean, Steph Dunbar is cool. <laughs> but... All right, thanks. Hey, CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.